0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The conservative review with Daniel Worlds. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and scorned and forgotten taxpayers, as well as betrayed conservative voters, to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze TV, Thursday, December 3rd. And we are recording a little early today. Because I'm actually going to pre-tape with Mark Levin for his Sunday night TV show. Uh, God knows why Fox News would want to have me on. But look, I'll take it. If Mark wants me on, that's a way to communicate with more people. So you could see me Sunday night on Life, Liberty, and Levin. But folks, I got news for you. We are all a bunch of battered wives. That's really what we've become. We have become like a bunch of fools that start blaming ourselves. Oh, we didn't support enough Republicans. There's this whole debate going on about what to do in the Georgia Senate race. Well, the Republicans are good for nothings anyway, and they screw us. They need to, we need to send them a message, but oh, I don't want the Democrats to win. They win anyway. Do you know that yesterday, late last night, Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee, passed The largest legal immigration reform in in a bad way in, in years by unanimous consent and no one objected to unanimous consent. A massive giveaway for Indian visas allowing India to monopolize our green cards at a time when big tech and these companies tied into India are destroying us and we go and give them stuff. This is really the biggest news story of the day because it exemplifies everything else we're talking about. It really does. It is truly unbelievable. It's like both parties are just going to sell us out to China. India. Now, folks, first of all, if you don't want to be sold out, you want a product that's actually not made in China, I got to tell you about Bull and Branch Bedding Sheets, our sponsor today. What do millions of Americans and three former U.S. presidents have in common? They all agree that Bull and Branch Sheets are the softest and most comfortable pure organic cotton sheets on earth. Bull and Branch Cotton is rain-fed pesticide-free and carries the highest organic certification. That's why it is so soft. And it just gets softer with every wash. Because they work with family-owned mills all over the world to expertly weave every set of bull and brand sheets with the highest level of craftsmanship, it's quality you can feel literally the moment you open the box and certainly when you're sleeping on it. Y'all wonder how I'm able to focus so much on so many issues? Well, I get a good night's sleep, except when the baby wakes me up. I just can't wait to hit the sack with the, the, their sheets. I also have a terrific pillow from them as well. They sell directly to you. and branch sheets start just at $160. You're talking about $160 for $1,000 quality sheets. Plus, you can sleep on them for a month risk-free. So if you want to try it out and see if it's really worth it. But here's how you do it. Right now, you will get $50 off any sheet at bowlandbranch.com with promo code CONSERVATIVE. Spelled Bull and Branch. B O L L N B R A N C H dot com. Promo code conservative. $50 off. Bullandbranch.com. Promo code conservative. Restrictions may apply. See bullandbranch.com for details. Now I think we've all forgotten what conservative actually means. See, we have Mike Lee, who is regarded as like one of the most conservative senators. And as bad as the bill is, it's almost the context of the time we're living in, that's even worse. We have the worst election steal ever. We have the worst, most systemic tyranny ever. All 50 states to some degree. Curfews, you can't walk out without covering your face like a burqa. Businesses being shut down, business owners, patriotic people employing you know low income individuals. Being arrested in Staten Island. We have crime surging more than it has. In over 25 years. And what does the most conservative senator. Supposedly. What is he focused on. See this is what bothers me. Before we delve into the bill. It's just like. There's one thing if he was like pedal to the metal fighting COVID fascism, you know, laying down on the tracks on all issues. But he had some quirky views. All right, I I, I could deal with that. But the point that we don't realize is the GOP is a sack full of holes. There's nothing there. They don't fight for us on a single issue. Where are... Where's Josh Hawley? Where's Tom Cotton? Where's Donald Trump? Is he threatening to veto? So basically... This bill, they call it the Fairness for High-Skilled Immigrant Act. This is literally what Elijah told Ahab. Have you killed and have you inherited? In other words, like to benefit from the fruits of your crime. So what happened was basically, and we've, we've done shows on this earlier in the year, that Bill Gates in the 80s basically started selling America out to India and Got government to get on board by gerrymandering American tech workers geographically, demographically, and really country of origin wise out of the entire tech business. And not just tech, but really a bunch of industries, banking, a lot of things. Where you basically you can't get a job if you're not an Indian. And they tilted the entire system To India. And just like everything we're talking about with COVID and the election law being changed, it was done by executive fiat. There were these temporary visas that they turned in through this OPT program and several others that were all created just like DACA executively. They became long term. So now they're like, oh my gosh, there's a crisis. We have all these Indians in the country that. You know, they're kind of like here, but they they can't get green cards because we have per country caps. And they're limited. So they said, we need to raise the caps. We need to allow India to now monopolize the green cards, the immigrant visas, because they've already monopolized the non-immigrant visas. Now, the answer to this would be to stop monopolizing the non-immigrant visas. It's like that's a problem of your own doing. Now, the thing is, they can't get away with increasing immigration. So you have the macro caps on, like, you know, the, the macro limits, but the per-country limits are caps. So you know what that means. India is going to basically get 100% of the green cards. And that means that the truly talented people, not like these cookie-cutter, mass-produced, and, and don't even get talk to me about the quality of work that most of them do. And again, this is not a rip on Indians. India is like any other country you could have a certain percentage of talented people but when you have the mass numbers that's not what you're getting from there so if you have a very highly skilled person from France or Norway or anywhere or Russia or whatever that person is boxed out from the green card now it's all going to be these people but i mean the perfidy you couldn't have thought of this at a time where we, we i literally i literally cannot get anything on COVID, posted. They will take it down on social media. Right? I mean, this is a huge problem. Like, what's their constituency? Those of us who want relief from fascism, relief from crime, no. Who do you think is getting in Mike Lee's face? The very entities that are censoring us. I mean... It's not just a matter of, hey, we have Republicans. They don't effectively roll back what the Democrats do when they have power. We wish they would do more. No, they advance gratuitously the left stuff while they are in power. This is why I'm not fazed by these arguments. Oh, well, something's better than nothing. There's nothing we can do. I need a husband. Some husband is better than nothing, even if he abuses me and cheats on me. How much longer are we going to play this game? Nobody. And where's Trump's veto threat? Because guess what? The administration officials agree with it. This is why I told you with the whole election fight. It's not even about Trump. I've warned you a a second term is not going to work out well for for a number of reasons. But rather it needs to be an impetus to finally wake up and leave. Leave. Stop being that abused wife that's always like, well, what am I going to do without him? That's always the answer. It just doesn't make any sense. Open your hearts, open your minds. What are you looking for in the GOP? And this is the funny thing like, people like Mike Lee bill themselves as a libertarian, very libertarian. I mean, this is the Super Bowl if you're a libertarian. This is the the most widespread, systemic, severe, protracted period of arbitrary executive power tyranny that cuts to the core of life, liberty, and property. And, and, And this is what they focus on? They focus on giving, gerrymandering our visa system at a time of high unemployment because of the covid Because we can't get the right information on COVID out. Because those very companies censor us. And you give them a handout. And don't talk about the corona fascism. Not in an effective way. I haven't heard him doing that. This is the most conservative Republican. What is their utility to our cause? What is their effectiveness? Where is their heart throb? Two things. Two years ago. It was letting criminals out of, out of prison. Some of the most notorious gang members in Chicago have been released. The Chicago Tribune has reported on this thanks to Mike Lee's First Step Act. And now, the visa giveaway to reward Bill Gates and those folks working with India to monopolize our system, discriminate against Americans, box Americans out of entire fields. Reward them. With a monopolization of our immigration visas. You could not have written a script like this. This happened just last night. This is like, again, what bothers me more than the way Mike Lee thinks about immigration and visas and the American workforce and all this stuff. And that's bad enough is the way he evidently thinks about or or, or the fact that he's thinking about this issue at all now. I mean, at least wait until we do some good things. But I don't know what to tell you folks. And then you go on and you find one betrayal after another. You know, Darren Beatty on Twitter, Darren J. Beatty used to work um, at the Hudson Institute. I don't want to steal his line. I just so you know, I just wanted you could follow him on Twitter, Darren J Beatty. He put out yesterday on Twitter, the GOP doesn't do voter fraud; it simply defrauds its voters. And And I thought that was so profound because that's what it is: they defraud their voters. They enable the left more than the left would be able to do it themselves. Because if the left would do this stuff, they'd get hit. The people would rebel. But Republicans share in the ownership, enable it, block other people from fighting them, defend the left on every issue. That's where their passion is. That's where their passion lies. I just don't know what to tell you guys. I'm sorry, but what we're doing is not working. It's funny. Someone posted on our Minimum Speakeasy private page, and you could always ask for a request from our administrator if you want to join the group. And I'm forgetting who it was, and I apologize. Put out a graphic from some sort of organization NGO that deals with maybe you know spousal abuse and it listed like 16 signs like are you a victim of this like do you find yourself being blamed do you find your husband tells you um, it's your fault and it's for your own good is he controlling who you're allowed to meet with and it was so powerful down the line down the line it was like I was like oh my gosh That is exactly what our government is doing to us today with the COVID fascism. That is not okay. That is not kosher. That is really, really bad. This is not a matter of the COVID data, who is right, the science. We talk about that a lot. But there are certain things you just can't do. You just cannot do that. That breaches that marriage between the populace and the government, that social contract. There's a construct that you cannot break even if you think it's a good idea. You know, maybe... Maybe as a wife, you do have things to work on. Maybe you do get on the husband's nerves. Maybe that's true. Maybe the husband has some... uh you know, valid grievances. And I'm not saying it sarcastically. I'm saying maybe he does. But what cannot be done is you can't just take your wife and punch her in the face. Like, you just don't do that. Like, that can't be done. I mean, unless she's going crazy and trying to, you know, attack him with something or whatever, self-defense. But I'm saying barring that, just because, you know, you antagonize him or he's upset with you, like, that's not an option. And it's a similar thing here. You might be a governor, a mayor, and you think, hey, this this sounds like a great idea. You cannot just put a curfew on people. You cannot destroy their humanity, their life, liberty, and property like this. That is not okay. But to take that to another level, this is a similar thing that's happening with Republicans and conservatives. We continue to say, oh, it's not our fault. We didn't work hard enough against the Democrats. We need to vote for more Republicans. I don't have any other home. Where am I going to go? It's going to be worse without them. Get off of that already. You don't realize because we've had this perfidy for 30 years. I mean, really, the Republican Party was never effect, effective. But Reagan gave a little fire we could have added to. Instead, it was extinguished with H.W. With Bush. There was a little bit of an opportunity in 94 to rekindle that. But that got erased there was another opportunity to rekindle that in 2010, but it got erased. And the reason is because every time, whether it's the Gingrich Revolution, whether it's the Tea Party, it got placed into the sack full of holes, namely the GOP. And until we get around that, this is going to continue. And until now, this was a pipe dream. Like it was logistically hard. It was, But now it, it's, it's obvious we have the greatest impetus ever. If only the the people that we need to be pushing this would do it, and you know who they are, it would be self-fulfilling, and you wouldn't even have to worry about the age-old thing of dividing the vote in three parties. You'd have two parties. There is no constituency with the GOP. We empower them. I mean, you can count them on your fingers, the number of Beltway pundits and whatever, National Review people. There's really no constituency in the electorate for that. These thumb suckers don't exist in real world. They're either bought into the left's narrative or they want blood in the streets. They want to fight back for, because of what the left's doing. Nobody wants this. Nobody's a conservative but like, oh my God, okay, there's a hellfire rush to get visas for India and uh, and and uh, releasing the top Chicago Latin King's gang members from from prison. I mean, the people like that are the alt-left. There's no Republican constituency that wants that, and most Democrat constituencies don't want either of those issues either. And then at the same time, Republicans are working, Cassidy from Louisiana, I mean, southern states, they forged with the Democrats another trillion-dollar stimulus bill. It's literally a handout to the very governors that have done this to us. And... It has no conditions, like at least if you're going to give them money to say, look, here are five things you can't do to the people. Mass mandates, you know, shutting down schools, businesses, curfews, churches, Get, get, get something for it. But no, they don't share our values on a single issue. Folks, imagine fighting a war with a gun. That when he fired it, the bullet would come out the opposite end, would come out the back. That that's literally what the Republican Party is. They 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 literally damage us. You could go down every issue. We've gotten worse off under their control the last four years. And that includes with Trump, I mean, just yesterday, where is this? Just yesterday, ABC News obtained a White House report. For Arizona, a memo to all public health officials. If state and local policies do not reflect the seriousness of the current situation, all public health officials must alert the state population directly. They sent this is I mean, you would think, hey, did Biden get sworn in earlier or something? The Trump administration sent out a memo to Arizona saying you're not doing enough covid fascism. I mean, (laughs) what's the point? They literally push the left's policies under our banner and basically obfuscate, or not—I would say—shield the Democrats of any, any, any liability. They absolve them of being on the hook with the electorate. This is the problem. So it's like if like, like trying to fire a gun, and we're like. Well, Daniel, this is the only gun I have. Like, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, I don't know, work to procure another gun. But you can't do that. And, and we think, like, well, if I hold the gun in a funny way, like, maybe I can get it to go on my enemy and not myself. <laughs> Good luck. That's just not an option. We're not talking about Reagan's 80-20 rule, okay, 80% with us, 20%. There's 0% with us. They're negative 100% because it's not just not with us. They are just as passionate in promoting election fraud. They are just as passionate in promoting jailbreak. They're just as passionate in promoting open borders. And they're certainly just as passionate in validating with a sense of urgency the need for corona fascism and shaming those who don't go along with it and marginalizing. And that's the real important point. There's always a tradition of two sides to the story, two parties, right, left, Republican, Democrat. So Democrats might have a strong constituency, a lot of media, a lot of backing, but people understand there's another side. But if both parties and all their leadership and all their governors and all their senators and all their congressmen and all their party officials constantly go on validate the Democrat narrative, it marginalizes our view permanently. There is no longer any justification whatsoever to support the Republican Party. And any desire to keep doing that will only backfire. I don't care. You want to vote for the guys in Georgia, vote for them. To me, that's immaterial. It's what, you, what are you going to do? A vote takes, you know, a minute. I mean, maybe you have to wait online for an hour, but whatever. I mean, that's a one-stop shop. But what are you going to do every other day? Okay? They win, they lose, whatever. I don't think much is going to change. Some might think it does make a big difference. Okay. But I think we all agree that a 51-seat Republican majority in a Senate where 90% of those Republicans are good-for-nothings. No, scrap that. Uh, they're not good. For, they're They're malignant maybe you have 30 40 out of the 212 house members that are decent and then likewise similar percentages in state legislatures maybe they're a little bit higher the lower the office you get they are a little higher only 2 out of 27 decent republican governors you can't <laughs> you can't win with that I mean, we've been doing this for a decade. I've been talking about this. Other people have been talking about it longer than me. But we got to get off of this. We got to plow forward. We got to recognize that what we're doing is not working. Now, it's interesting. I actually got a very fascinating email from a listener. And you know it's worth it's worth a look. Someone actually wrote a book on the two state solution with that title. Thomas Kempf, that's K E M P F. You could look up it's self published on Amazon. Um, you could look up his book, and it's you know whatever like 160 pages or so. I have not read it. Full disclosure, I have not read it. But, you know, he sent me an email. It's called The Two State Solution for America, The Path to Political Sanity. And he claims to lay it out and lay out the logistics of how you would work out this kind of loose confederation agreement, reciprocity of having two separate systems on domestic issues. He's evidently worked out a lot of what I said broadly. He um, says in an email that he you know, put pen to paper and really worked out the details. And and I and the thing is, like, you know, I sent him some of my questions or off the bat and I told him I'd look at it. And the thing is, typically we'd scoff at that. Well, how do you work it out? How do you work out the logistics? What do you do with social security? What do you do with, you know, how do you divide everything up? But I'm sick of people dumping on those that think of ideas and then they think the status quo is not a problem. This stuff is not going to be reinvented overnight, but we have to force the issue and force some sort of resolution like that somewhere along those lines. Now, part of that might be getting a new effective second party that effectively represents our views in a way that in the areas where we control, it will be as untenable for the left as their areas are for us, and it will naturally create that. Right now, you don't have that because it's one big oligarchy. Look, I'll be the first to tell you political parties are a problem. George Washington was right, but it is what it is now. The only thing worse than having the, part, the country divided between two political parties is having essentially one monobrow, unibrow party that represents the oligarchy and we have nobody to turn to. So if we're going to have a system that's unfortunately kind of run off of political parties, well, we need one. At least in the interim. So that's, that's where we are at this point. But I just, to me, this whole election fraud is such an opportunity. We can make so much lemonade with these lemons. That's usually what God does. He gives us opportunities to rise from the darkness, to find that light from the darkest moment, darkest before dawn. A lot of uh, metaphors uh, to that in the Bible. And that's what it is. It's all what we make with it. It takes real travesties and betrayals and perfidy to wake us up. But somehow we don't get woken up. It's like we literally will walk in the house 50 times finding our spouse in bed with the other, with someone else. And we're like, hey, you want a nice uh, cold beer there? And then like every once in a while we're like, they're cheating on us. And then five minutes later, we go back to, "Hey, do you want do you want an ice cold beer?" I mean, this is what it is. I just don't understand. It's the Stockholm syndrome. My father told me this when I was younger, already in the Bush era. I wasn't ready to hear it back then. I was like, "No, I know there's a couple of like rhinos." You know, you had the Arlen inspectors back then. I thought, you know, it was fundamentally. The GOP is okay. They're kind of scared of the media. Maybe they're scared. You have a couple of really bad players. If we work a little bit better in primaries, no, 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 no. At an organizational party level, donor level, all that, it's a 1090 proposition. Among the voters, it's the opposite. I'm forgetting who it was and, and one of you could remind me was it in the New Yorker and I really don't I, I gotta find this there was a terrific interview done with this whiz kid he was one of Obama's data people he's, he's, he's still in his 20s maybe even mid 20s and he's a self-described socialist but the thing is like he believes in fiscal socialism but he, he understands that the cultural Marxism is stupid and is just gonna Really, um, it was really hurting his side, and he had some very candid comments, and very insightful. It was you know coming from the other side, and and he was the one who made the point we always make. He said that the funny thing is the, with the GOP, it's their base is more Republican, meaning more right than their donors are, whereas with the Democrats, their donor political class is more hardcore Dem than the voters are. I mean, you have voters, and unfortunately it's growing, that are off their rocker and want rioting and Antifa and BLM and, you know, get, you know, whatever. But for the most part, especially those with families, but vote Democrat, they might be brainwashed about from the media and, you know, they hate Republicans and some of it's Republicans' fault. And in this era, they don't like Trump's personality. But at the end of the day... They are not where these party poobahs are that are just crazy. Whereas with Republicans, it's like, you know, the GOP donors, it's basically like they're wherever the left is at any given moment. Just I want access to politics. So I do it through the GOP. Kind of, It was kind of like Bloomberg, you know, the way Bloomberg became a Republican. He was a radical leftist his whole life but it was a way to avoid the Democrat primary. So it's the same thing at the donor level. You know, it's clogged, that space is clogged with Democrat donors, so you could get your access by being one of the few Republican donors. Certain regulations and certain tax issues, they want different policies, so that's what they push, but otherwise, on everything else we talked about, they are just as fervently in support of the cultural Marxism the globalism, all this stuff, then we are. It's time to move away from this battered wife syndrome. And I just want to say, as we're on this battered wife syndrome narrative here, wanted to get to a couple other things today. I don't think I'm going to have time for a lot of it. But some of it's going to tie into this theme. But again, I just want to come back to the Georgia Senate elections where we're all running around in circles. And what I'm a little bit scared about is people are tearing each other down over a very intellectual debate. When if we really do share the same values, this, this debate shouldn't matter much. And here's why. Here's why. And I'm going to use the next story to also tie back into this. You see, basically. I guess you'd say the more hawkish side against the GOP is saying, look, we're betrayed. They don't stand for anything. They're a bunch of communists deep down. They're a bunch of frauds. Why are we showing them that, they're on the plan- that we're on the plantation? Make sure that they have to earn our vote. Make them earn it. Uh, send them the message that we're not automatically there. They can't take us for granted. So they can't only pander to the media and the other voters they think they're going to get to. They have to pander to us. And the only way to do that is to finally show them that we actually mean it when we say we're done with them. That's their argument. Some of it's also just a principled moral argument. Look, you know, I don't care about the lesser of two evils anymore. If they're both evil, I'm not voting for evil. I'm only voting for good. I'm you know, I'm not saying I agree, disagree. I'm just saying that's essentially the argument. So the other side's like, that is the stupidest thing in the world because what are you what are you gaining from it? At the end of the day, uh, you know, it can only be worse with Democrats and um Well, what about the argument that, you know, this way we get back the entire party, not just two Senate seats, if we actually send the message? So I've seen a very good response to that. In other words, the pro dogmatic vote for GOP crowd has a very good argument. And they say, look, do you really think that message is going to be sent to them? Do you really think you're going to change anything? You're just cutting off your nose to spite your face. All you're going to do is just hand the Democrats something. It's not going to change anything. And you know what? They're right. But the problem is this. They're only right because they're wrong. In other words, the reason why they're right is because the party is so irremediably broken. It is so gone at this point that even just tossing two Senate seats from what you know were formerly Republican seats which would officially flip control of the entire chamber, it wouldn't send the message. They wouldn't change their views in a meaningful way on a single issue. They wouldn't use the power and the leverage and the megaphones they have in all their respective positions at a federal or state level to fight and message the battles we want to be messaged and fought. But that's a self-indictment of so many of these commentators because what are you doing then to deal with that broader problem, if you're telling me the GOP is so far gone that your message is not going to help, then the GOP is so far gone. And what's the purpose? And and the reason why it's so far gone? Like I've told you, the left doesn't work mechanically anymore, where they just pass things out of the House, the Senate, and then it goes for the president for a signature or a governor at a state level. Those days are over. Let me just pause. I should say they're not over, like we were talking about with Mike Lee's bill. Republicans will help them mechanically pass a lot of bad stuff, like the First Step Act, the jailbreak bill, that they could not get done under Obama. They got done under Trump and under a Republican Senate and a Republican House. But then there's like the really official things, like abolish police, abolish ICE, uh, Green New Deal. Here's the deal. They don't pass those things. They're not stupid. In fact, I will tell you, even if they win the majority, especially a very narrow majority with Joe Manchin, who has to pretend in West Virginia, they're not going to be able to do it. They're not going to want to pass that. They don't, they're not stupid. The, Chuck Schumer knows what the people believe. He's not dumb about that. What they do is they get the agencies, the courts, and the street to do it. And what I mean by the street, the culture, the street, is this. Let me introduce you to another story here. Another sickening travesty. Good men cut down for a bunch of rapists. And this happens every week. There's another one of these stories. At a time when St. Paul and Minneapolis are experiencing rampant lawlessness. It is literally like Mogadishu there. In more ways than one robberies, carjackings, murders. Police can't recruit anyone to join. They have a police shortage. And then here's what happens. Police get called on the scene because a man, Joseph Javante Washington, 31 years old, allegedly kidnapped his former girlfriend, dragged her to her home, brutally raped her while beating her, and then Took, used her phone to live stream it on Facebook or whatever, a couple other social media platforms while he was doing that. And then dragged her into the car, put a knife on her throat, beat her in the car, and eventually they crashed. And the guy ran, maybe I think he might have run with her, grabbed her too, broke into another person's home. So that person called 911 Police are brought down on the scene. This happens Saturday night. And the guy's hiding in a dumpster, and they can't get him out. He's naked. He's depraved. He's crazed. They fire pepper spray. Finally, he comes out and charges at them. And this is what happens every time. He charges at them. So they deploy tasers, and one officer fired two shots. And mind you, the guy is, is not dead. He's in the hospital the the suspect. And I don't think he's going to die. I mean, I didn't get the impression from uh, from the reports that it was even fatal. And according to this guy's lawyer, the officer, Tony Dean, the guy was saying that he has a gun when he was there. Because because they, like they're like, well, he was naked, so he couldn't have had a gun. Well, yeah, but you didn't know that he was in the dumpster, said he had a gun. And then he runs out and charges at you. What are you supposed to do? But the St. Paul police chief Todd Axtell, they're all a bunch of political appointees from the mayors, fired him immediately. When I ask myself if the officer's actions on Saturday Night were reasonable or necessary, the only answer I can come up with is no. Just like the military generals, they're irremediably broken. So now Washington, the rapist filming on social media, Guy, he is the victim, and Officer Dean is the villain. Now, Officer Dean was a decorated veteran on the gun and gang unit. He served in the Marines for eight years. He won an award for like, Officer of the Year one year, Minnesota American uh, Legion's Officer of the Year, who was Washington. Now, this is a key point. There's two key points I want to make here. See, what people don't realize, and this is where jailbreak comes in, it's a vicious cycle. The more police are deterred and not criminals, the more brazen and violent the criminals are, which will deter them even more, which will ensure that the police are confronted with more of these situations, plus the jailbreak. More people like this are out. This guy had a 10-year rap sheet with burglaries and beatings and violence and guns and all this stuff. And he barely served time. These were the type of people that 20 years ago were locked up. Now they are all out on the streets. So there's thousands of more of these people that are just irremediable. They're not like kind of criminal. They're like depraved and crazed to the point where they're not deterred by anything. So they're going to charge at you. They're on drugs, or they're just mentally ill, or a mixture of the two, and they're demonic, and they're going to come after you, and there's nothing you can do about it. This is where jailbreak mixes in with the war on cops, because they're on the streets. Now you say, all right, take a hands-off approach. Don't patrol these neighborhoods, which is actually a bad thing for blacks, as we've noted many times, because you know that's what deters crime and saves black lives, but whatever. But here's the deal. They can't do that, because... They're, they're already doing that, taking a hands-off approach. But here's the thing. The case here, as was the case with with Floyd and all of the other ones this year, they were called down through a 911 call by a victim or a witness who usually is black. A girlfriend being beaten. In this case, I think it was the um, a homeowner with the, the second-degree offense where later on he went and broke into a home. So they're like, okay, we got a call. With a guy running around, threatening to kill his girlfriend, beating and raping her, live streaming it, crashing a car on a road, and then breaking into a home. Well, what the hell are they supposed to do? This is is where we're at. So I got news for you folks. And this is a point I want to get back to the political point. Aside from the policy points. Which is why... You see... They're not passing a bill that says abolish police, for which it makes a difference that, you know, you have a Republican majority or not to block it. They are implementing it on the street, meaning in the culture, meaning in the departments, in the whatever. They just, there's no bill like, okay, we're passing a bill that anyone who happens as long as they, the color of their skin happens to be black, if they charge at you, you can never shoot them. Whereas with a white person, we wouldn't have a problem with it if they're black. I mean, that is what's happening. But they're never going to pass a bill that says that. They do it. They just do. So if you don't have a party that is going to proactively push back against this in a rigorous way in all the areas they control, then there's no point. They're not going to shutter the police. They're not going to close ICE. They're just going to administratively say you can't deport anyone, which is what Biden said. He's going to put a moratorium on it. They're not going to pass the Green New Deal. What they're going to do is have the Department of Interior filibuster forever with impact reports and permitting process, and they'll never get fracking. That's what they do. They're not dumb. It's better for them politically anyway because they get the outcome without the blame. And Republicans don't push them on that. The only thing they'll do is vote no on a liberal thing that is the most extreme iteration of that day. Because a little bit less and less obvious, they actually downright vote for it. Like we saw with the Open Borders um, India visa handout last night. And frankly, I will tell you, sometimes it's better to actually allow them to do that. And And let me give you, an, an not just a, you know, a moral point, but a strategic point. I, I I am dead serious when I say this. I am now in support of abolishing police in the United States. And I will tell you why. We have reached a point where nobody is, police can't do anything with the things that they're supposed to do, deterring and punishing violent crime or apprehending. And even if they do, the justice system cannot punish them anymore. So you have deincarceration. incarceration So the only purpose of having them exist is what? Is arresting people like Johnny Tobacco, the patriotic guy in Staten Island, New York, that's keeping his pub open. And it's, it's heartening to see finally a group of people gathering around him and protesting. That is some good news. But that's what they're doing. These same bastards, and again, it's not necessarily the same people like Officer Dean. I'm not accusing them, but there are way too many People tell me it's generally not NYPD that's doing it. It's like the New York sheriffs. I'm not sure what they are. I didn't know that New York City had sheriffs. I'm not sure what the legal distinction is there. I mean, typically where I'm from, you have the city police department and then you have the other county um, sheriffs. And generally the sheriffs have been pretty good on this. It's the city departments that are bad. But I think the NYPD generally is not participating, but they get other police forces to do it, whatever you want to call them. I'm not trying to be cute here. I'm not trying to engage in hyperbole or exaggerate. I'm really asking that question. What is the purpose? Believe me, I believe in police. I want liberty, but you need ordered liberty. I mean, this is the basic social compact, our founding, because there is a purpose to government in the right way. You can't have full liberty if you have anarchy. But we have anarchy anyway. But what we have is anarcho-tyranny. We have anarchy and tyranny coexisting. So if I'm forced between plain anarchy where, you know, I have to worry about my own life and liberty because of criminals, but on the other hand, there's no police to stop me so I could shoot them and try to at least defend myself and then also not have COVID fascism either being enforced, I'll take that over what we have now, which is you have no ability to defend defend yourselves against them. The police aren't going to deal with them but the police will be there to arrest you for opening a business, then they will be there if you happen to shoot one of these guys, especially if the guy happens to be black. So I'm sorry, I am all for that. See, these are the thought processes that we need to start embarking on. This is where we're at. You you, you can't apply the same old logic. I mean, think about this. You'll tell me, Daniel, that's just... You know, these really crazy places like um, St. Paul and all these big cities. But you go to a red area, you don't have these problems. But therein lies the point I'm making. Therein lies the point I'm making. That Republicans are the same thing. Alaska. 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 A teenager, this is um, Alaska's alaskasnewssource.com, KTUU. A teenager who was wearing an electronic monitor. <clears throat> you know what that means, we just talked about that a couple days ago. While on pre-trial supervision, shot and killed four relatives a week after his latest release from jail. Maliki Maxon, 18, is in custody, facing several felony charges, including four counts of first-degree murder after early morning shootings on Monday in two separate locations in Matsubaro. So, folks, I mean, in Alaska, we have a quadruple murder. This is a whole story. I've written on this before. Alaska has exploding crime for the type of state it is in recent years. They've dabbled with all these... They've passed jailbreak out of the legislature. It's not just like, you know, de facto. They've actually passed jailbreak there. And that's what you have here. This is happening everywhere. So this is the broader point that too many of our people miss. It doesn't work mechanically. Politics is an art. It's not a meth. Like, oh, 52 seats plus 48. I mean, the Rep- like if you had the Democrats owning this, they would get crushed. But crushed with what? You need a party that's worthwhile. It's not just that the Republicans aren't like, you know, they're not what they say they are. They're worse than the Democrats in the sense that they actually serve as a pin cushion for the Democrats. They serve as a punching bag for them. And allow Democrats to skate by. And then all the while Republicans are enabling them. It's the perfect false flag operation. It's like if you told me, Daniel, would you rather have Al Qaeda and ISIS with or without the Muslim Brotherhood? Well, the Muslim Brotherhood engages in the civilization political jihad that greases the skids for them. So I'd rather not have the the Republicans are the Muslim Brotherhood. To the Democrat Al-Qaeda. If you get the analogy. And I think you're smart enough to understand that. So anyway, folks, this is the discussion we need to have. Rather than say, okay, are you going to vote for the Democrat or Republican? Well, I have a third option. How about when we have all this energy created by Trump after this election... And use this unprecedented time with the COVID fascism and the crime in the election, the, the 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 art of the steel, to start a new party. You can make that go mainstream in a second now, given those circumstances. Typically, it was a handful of us pushing this, and the problem was always self-fulfilling. We don't have the people in power to do it. Now, look, I would rather a party spawned by someone other than Trump. But if that's all we have, that's all we have and again like folks this is not about any particular republican if if um a genie would come out of out of a bottle and give me a wish and say daniel here are two options i could instant instantaneously take your favorite republican and get him elected or I could help you successfully start a new movement, a new party. So in other words, let's say he would say, I can make Ron DeSantis president. I love Ron. I've been friends with him for many years. I think he's the best Republican around. And I think at, at heart, I know he doesn't like the party and would totally join a new party. I, to me, that's that's barely meaningful to have him as president in this environment. If I were president, if you were president, it does. You can't. You need a movement. You can't be the president of a Republican Party that ninety percent of it is working against you. Just like you can't go to battle with a gun when the bullet fires out of the backside. You can't do that. It doesn't work. We see that vividly every day for years and years. I don't know what more people need to see. It's so frustrating. Like, they're not even doing the middle ground things, all these people, the, the vote GOP or people. Like, at least work a local area, work on these people, work on the issues. Clobber them for the Mike Lee vote. Are you contacting these senators? Vote for Kelly Leffler and, and, and Purdue. Well, are you getting in their face about the the bill? The Mike Lee bill? You know, because it would have to go to the House, the president's signature, it might be modified, so then it would have to come back to the House. So next time, are you going to vote against it? I mean, simple question. Get on Trump's case. Why aren't you isu- issuing a statement of administration policy on this bill and threatening a veto? But no, they don't do anything. Vault jail play. Again, I don't have a problem if someone is joining our effort. And in the meantime, you have a Senate election, you live in that state. You have a ballot with those two choices. You want to pick the the Republican. I don't care. I'm not not going to dissuade someone from doing that. If they have the right mindset of doing it. But 99.9% of these people pushing vote GOP at all costs, they don't. They're pushing the same game. Oh, now's not the time. Focus on primaries next time. They say that every time. And then when it comes time to the primaries, nobody's with me. And again, what are you going to primary? Primary. 90% 90% of Republicans? How are you gonna do that successfully? It's not that that's the thing. It's not a matter of nine, you know, 90 are with us, 10 are not, so you could work it out with primaries. Moreover, the party controls the whole apparatus and the money, and they win. They win the primaries. We certainly saw that a lot with Trump. Supporting all these rhinos. So I gotta run. I'm gonna tape with Levin again. I'm gonna be on. Life, Liberty, and Levin, Sunday night. So, um, look, if you uh, if you want to be principled, sp- speaking of uh, false choices, um, if you turn off Fox News and never want to turn it on, I totally understand. <laughs> but, you know, if you're willing to just for Sunday night, I'll be on with him for part of the show. And, um, again, hopefully we could change more hearts and minds and, and get them on board. Look, we got one more day left to this long week. I'm going to have a lot of written content as well. Lots of insane crime stories, lots of insane COVID stories. There's this whole story out where the governor of Colorado is prioritizing criminals in prison over seniors and vulnerable people for the vaccine. They're lower on the totem pole. In other words, prisoners would get vaccinated first. Um, again, you can't bridge such a divide. We need a new party that recognizes the divide recognizes what the left's about, recognizes what they are about, and will take the appropriate precautions and pursue the appropriate strategies to win in that environment. And that's the battle of our time. This is our work. It's not going to be completed or even embarked upon in one night. But that is our battle. Folks, thanks for listening. Send the show to 15- or actually 50 to 100 of your friends, relatives, neighbors, anyone who is starving and craving for independent conservative truth. Until tomorrow, thank you for listening, and God bless.